All right, tonight we've got something uh, special, as Pastor Pat said this morning at the close of each of our services. I've got Abe and Chuck up here, Pastor Abe, Pastor Chuck. I'm going to ask Pastor Pat if he'll come up as well, and Pastor Brad, where's Brad? Where are you? Come on up. Tonight what we want to do here um, is have a candid conversation with these four guys, and I'm going to sort of serve as the moderator. Pastor, we got the mic and everything up here. We'll take care of everything. You just talk, okay? Over the past several months, uh, several of you have said, hey, what's it, what's it like to serve as a pastor? What's it like to be um, on, uh, on staff here at Sailorville? And it got me thinking over the last several weeks as we invited some of our uh, men here from this church to be interns with us, Curtis Johnson, Andrew Bush, and John Nemers, got me thinking, you know, we, we need to talk a little bit more about uh, what it's like to be a pastor and kind of get behind the scenes a little bit into some of the guys' lives here. And uh, as normal, Brad is not here. Where is Brad? There he is back there. Brad, hey, hey, Brad, are you on staff here? Come on up, bud. <laughs> you did say three minutes, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you got to sit by each other. Well, you're dressed alike, so you can sit next to each other today. <laughs> we all want to be like him. Yes, we do. So here's how this is going to work. This morning. Tell everybody that. You had this shirt? No, this one. That shirt. So yes. he dressed like you. Yes. Yeah. Next week, it's the beard. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Salesman, when I wear a beard, <laughs> Pastor, you don't have the uh, Britney Spears mic tonight, so you got to put that up to your mouth. All right, we um, we want you to be able to ask questions here this evening as well. So uh, we're going to put the um, the picture up or the uh, the texting number up in just a couple seconds. Um, but before we do that, this morning was an, an, an incredible service. Great. Music, fantastic message from, from uh, our faith, uh, faith of Our Fathers series in Genesis. And of course, we had several baptisms. In each of our services, we saw believers get baptized. And so we're going to show those pictures. Perhaps you were in the uh, first service and you saw Aaron get baptized. Just an amazing testimony. We'll just keep flipping through these. Our second service and then our third service as well. These are individuals, men and women, who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior and are now um, wanting to declare that. Not, not that this saves them, but they're saying, hey, I'm all in. I want everybody to know that I'm a believer. And uh, that's an exciting thing for us to be able to witness and to be a part of. We really participate in believers' baptism altogether. And so I want to ask, just, just uh, to begin with, Pastor Pat, this one's to you, and we'll put that picture up, um, or that, uh, that texting uh, number here in just a second as well. But Pastor, we, we get to see baptisms uh, several times a year. In fact, that was one of the things that I noticed right away. We've talked about that. Uh, just that God is, is blessing this church. People are coming to know him and getting baptized, and we're seeing more people more like Jesus. What, was it always like this at Sailorville? Uh, always as in our, since our time here? Since you've been here. Uh, um. It's been a joy to see many baptisms every single year. And, of course, that was the premise for coming here back in 1998. Was to, uh, and that was my passion to see Sailorville Church become a true gospel-centered church. And uh, really my joy has been to see, and I know Chuck would agree with this, is to see that, this catch fire around the entire church. So many people have been led to Christ and baptized. And if you'll notice over the last several years, we have more people baptizing individuals who are interacting with these individuals who are coming to Christ. 
And uh, so kind of a hard question to answer, but you know, you can look at the records. I mean, a lot of people are getting have been getting baptized and uh, it's been a, a great, great joy to see. It is, it is, as many have heard me say, I mean, you, uh, we heard a missionary once say, we don't count them until we, we, uh, we see them in the baptismal. And there's a sense in which that's true. We'd love to see people make decisions for Christ, but when they get baptized, that's, that's when they're making their, uh, the name of Jesus public, and we love that. Yeah. I should say, too, thanks, Pastor. These guys asked me to not give them the questions before tonight. So none of these questions that I'm going to ask and, and probably none of the questions that you text in have they seen before. So this is really sort of spontaneous, which in a, in a sense is really scary. Right, Chuck? Yeah. Uh, but, but we think it's candid. We think it is um, a little bit more behind the scenes that way where, where there's not any canned response. Chuck, grab your microphone. Pastor alluded to, to you here in this last response. What have you seen God do through um, the lives of people since you've been here at Sailorville? Well, I, you know, to me, it's been a joy just to work with numbers of people. And I guess I feel like Pat and I have a similar heart that really wants to reach people. But more than that, I think we do want to lay the groundwork where that atmosphere just grows and more and more people are involved in it. And I think we have seen that. We would just like it to grow even more. So how does that happen? How can we continue to, to see that hunger or create that hunger? Is that something we create or is it just something that God does and we're just along for the ride, Chuck? You know, I, there was a church I attended many years ago where um, I, it was so natural for people to talk about the people that they were witnessing to. I just took note of that. And my prayer is whatever church I would go to, that that would be a topic of discussion within the congregation. And I think you try and get as many people involved in that. I mean, I have my own outreaches where I include people that, that go with me, and I love doing that. And if you want to be involved in that, but that's not all that's going on. Um, a lot of people are doing that on their own. So by being an example, I think, is one of the best ways. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Abe, um, what happened that was good today? <laughs> Can you show the picture of Abe's family? Maybe that'll jog his memory a little bit. Got to pick, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's the question? That's the question for you. <laughs> These questions are tailor-made for you guys. Yeah, no, I, I personally, the message was, uh, that impacted me a lot. <clears throat> Just the, I mean, obviously Abraham and Isaac, my son's name is Isaac. I mean, mm -hmm. that was why we named him that, but uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was very practical. It was very, um, the whole idea of our faith and testing our faith. That was a highlight for sure. Um, the baptisms are always, they're always a highlight. Those are always a great thing. So, yeah, I would say the message and the, and the very last song. I really like the last song. Yeah. After the baptisms, after the message, and then the song at the end. Yeah. Yeah, Pastor, you mentioned that was, a, that was just a fantastic song. And actually, I was in, in the room when you were talking to Paul about a different song. Can you, we don't know what happens behind the scenes sometimes when you're picking songs and you're working on the message and Paul's picking songs. Can you give us just a quick 30-second... What happened there? You had suggested a song, Paul. I suggested a really stupid song. Yeah. And, uh, and Paul called it out as such. 
And so we did not sing it. So praise the Lord for that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, just props to Paul. I mean, he I mean, he could not have tailor made that song. In fact, that, my only wish was we maybe at the end, because that little mantra we were singing at the end was really a prayer. And uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful song. But props to, to Paul. He gets the themes months in advance, and he puts them together, and it's very encouraging to us. And to, and to the church. Very edifying, yeah. isn't it? Right. Yeah. Let Paul know that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Why did you show that picture of Abe's family? I'm really confused. <laughs> wanted to remind Was he supposed to talk about like, an anniversary or something that happened today? <laughs> no. Or? wanted to remind Abe he's got reason to be joyful. That's why. But we have a picture of you up here as well. Can we put that picture of Brad's family? There you go. There you go. Brad, talk about your family a little bit. <laughs> you, you walked right into that. <laughs> I'll keep that picture up of Brad. Just to I remind him who's in his family. Go that. ahead. This is my family. They're great. We took great naps this afternoon. It was awesome. Okay, Brad, since, you, since you're on a roll here, you are um, moving. You have moved from being the youth pastor for nine years here, almost ten years at Sailorville uh, Church. Eight and, eight and a half. I'm giving it to you here, buddy. Um, you've talked about some of the struggles, especially early on. What were some things that, as you look back, you're just so thankful to God for over the last uh, several years as you were in youth ministry here at Sailorville? Uh, I, was, I was 20, 25 when I came here. Um, I thought I knew everything and, and uh, realized very quickly that I didn't. And uh, I think I was just grateful for a church that was willing to let me grow because mm. um, I had a lot of growing to do spiritually, a lot of growing in maturity. Um, but this church was willing to walk along with me through that process of growth and uh, allowed me to be serving in ministry while I was still very young and had a lot of things to, to fine tune. And I still have a lot of things to fine tune uh, nine years later. But uh, I see those hard times and the good times, you know, just that God is always in everything and he uses us a lot of times in areas of our weaknesses. And um, that's where, where Christ's power rests upon us. So I, I look at uh, the many weaknesses I have and see how God was able to use those things. And uh, I, I thank God greatly for the eight and a half years, almost nine that I had in the student ministry to come alongside of families and to minister the, the gospel and the word of God to the students and our next generation, uh, it was a dream come true. So yeah. yeah. Brad, thanks. This is not why we're here, but thanks for doing that for all those years. Thanks for being our youth pastor and uh, ministering to our kids. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, you're you're now our teaching pastor, and, and I think that's, we, we go way back, Brad and Mandy were uh, served with Meredith and I back at our former church, and I just think it's so cool that you're here and we're here, and um, God is using your gifts and talents and abilities in teaching and preaching um, here at Sailorville Church, and I love that we have this role now. Tell us a little bit about what you see that being. I, we know we're, we're still trying to figure that out a little bit, but what are some of the things that you're excited about as it relates to your new role here as teaching pastor? Yeah, I'm excited to keep speaking and, and extending my role as youth pastor to reaching the next generation, uh, bringing in younger people into this church. When I came, you know, the average age of the church was 
34 years old or so, and now those 34-year-olds are in their 40s now, and I'm excited to just see what we can do uh, to keep reaching and getting those young families here in our church, keeping Sailorville young and fresh and always looking, uh, raising up uh, new people in our, in our church here. And uh, I look forward to just teaching the Word of God and being creative in that way and uh, doing that in smaller groups as we kind of work through some of those things of, of men's stuff and meeting with the, the coordinators of the ladies' ministries and the Bible studies and things like that. And just seeing how uh, we can get practical theology into the hands of our people and see how that relates, how the Bible relates to everyday life. So I'm yeah. just excited to be able to continue in that and, and hone that and really take our church to the next level of, in theology and discipleship. So Yeah, thanks. And we're excited about that too. We, we're going to we're, we're gonna win from this, right? We're going to benefit from this. We already are, so thank you. Um, Pastor, you've shared several times about what you do to get alone in the Word of God. You know, Jesus had to leave the crowds um, and get alone with his Father. What do you do uh, regularly to get alone in the Word of God with your Father and spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, Give us just a 60-second uh, synopsis of what that looks like in the morning. And actually, we have a picture of you and your family here as well. Yeah, I bet you can name everybody else's family. <laughs> name all these. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very precious uh, picture. And uh, just to answer your question, uh, I've talked about this before. I, I, I love my favorite time of day is when I get up in the morning. Uh, we get up early around 6 o'clock and... Get all the coffee ready from the night before so I can just turn it on when I get up. And uh, then uh, my wife and I are close to each other but not right next to each other. So she has her time with the Lord and I have my time with the Lord. And uh, I, I, I've done the same thing for many, many years. I had 60 seconds. I read, a, I read a psalm. I read a proverb. I read a passage from the Old Testament. I read a passage from the New. I sometimes get arrested by, at any given time, and I have to stay there. It might mean memorizing a verse or, or something, chasing something down. But... Just really spending time meditating. I, I really believe that my time in Bible reading and my time in prayer are, are almost synonymous to me. I, I, I look at it as a dialogue with God, so I pray while I'm reading my Bible. And uh, about an hour, uh, so about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and then my wife and I come together and we pray together, and sometimes we, sometimes we sing, and we enjoy that too. Does, does he really sing? Does he have a good voice? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I won't ask you if she has a good voice. <laughs> Chuck, you have a different um, routine, a different uh, way of getting into God's Word, maybe, and a different way of praying. Tell us a little bit about what you do to get away from the crowds and spend time alone with the Lord. Well, it changes from time to time. Uh, in the morning, I get up as well, and um, I'll spend a little bit of time in God's Word, reading, do a little bit of praying then, then I send verses out to different people that I'm working with on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. Um, also, what I've done recently, because I do a, a bit of calling in the evenings, sometimes I'll take a break in the afternoon and I get away and um, I just spend time praying. And that's been very special. And uh, so I spend some time in the afternoon as well doing that. Chuck's been a huge example to us, hasn't he? Praying for souls, praying for family, praying for ministries here at Sailorville. And uh, it's fun to see you at work because it's not, it's not a job for you, Chuck. It's just Ch who you Chuck, are. Chuck, 
Chuck preached on prayer years ago, and he said, your time in prayer is your belief in prayer. And that really shot right through me, man. That really convicted me. And he, he lives that. Praise the Lord. Can you say that again, the quote? He said, he said in his message years ago, your time in prayer is your belief in prayer. That's one of the most convicting lines I've ever heard in my life on, on the subject of prayer. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for living that out. Thank you. Abe, someone sent in a question here, um, wants to know what the greatest challenge, greatest disappointment, maybe discouragement in your ministry has been over the years. And try to leave my name out of it. Yeah, with that. <laughs> am I supposed to be honest or make a spiritual conversation here? Or what am I supposed to do? Be honest. Most discouraging? Yeah, sure. Wow. Uh, probably... Probably seen people leave, um, people like, you know, you've, you've worked with, people that you've invested in, people that have maybe gotten saved here and then walked away from the Lord. I mean, that, that's hard because you, you've seen them, you've, you've seen God do something in them, and then it's like, man, what happened and why did they walk away? So that probably is difficult. I think for me personally, for me, yeah, for me, I think when... You know, it's kind of a joke, like, hey, Abe, are you being joyful? Are you being, are you rejoicing in the Lord? And uh, I think there's, the thing that's discouraging to me is when I let the circumstances of church life, of what we do here, get discouraging to me or be, be frustrating or be hard that even though there's great things happening, you know, you personally are like, okay, you know, find joy in that. And there's all the stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, leads up to this thing here, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights that goes on. And I think when I don't respond in the right way in those situations, that's discouraging to me personally. So I'll, those would probably be my two, um, yeah, off the top of my head. Abe is our administrative pastor, the guy that sees um, most of what happens here every day and throughout the weekend and all kinds of events and all the, all the sort of things that we don't even know happen. Abe not only sees them, but is also involved in them, training other people to do them, equipping other people. And Abe has helped me realize that there are, um, there, are, there are real people behind all of those tasks, right? Real souls behind all of those things that have to happen every single time that the doors are open or the doors don't get open or, or something's good or something's wrong here. There's actually people behind all of those things. And uh, Abe's, Abe's taught me to have joy through those things because sometimes it can be just like oiling the machine, right? We've got 1,300 people here on Sunday morning, a church plant network and all the rest of that, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, I would imagine. Um, Pastor, talk a little bit about that in, in your life. The, how, do you, how do you not be overwhelmed with everything that's going on here? I spend time with Abe. There you go. <laughs> can we put the number back up here so that if people want to text in, they can do that? Um, I, I really do spend a lot of time with Abe, and he really is a great source of joy in my life. You need to know that. He needs to know that. He's a great blessing to me, mostly because he's gone from being an assistant. He's gone from being a guy who just does what I tell him to do to a guy who speaks directly to me, who speaks who confronts me, uh, not afraid of me, and you would not always say you weren't always afraid of me, right, Abe? Uh, uh, but um, that's a big deal to me. I, I, I mean, I spend time with everybody, and, and we have great times on Tuesday all day. I don't know if you're going to get into that kind of stuff or not, but, but um, 
I have to spend a lot of time with Abe because he's called the administrative pastor, but he could also be called the executive pastor. So everything goes through Abe. He spends time with everybody on this platform and everybody that's not on this platform. Abe spends lots of time with them and probably more time with me. And uh, so he's, he keeps me straight. And I thank, thank the Lord for Abe Miller. I think we should thank the Lord for Abe Miller, too. So obviously there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, but one of the things that we do see, it's very visual, visible every single weekend, is uh, the preaching and teaching that happens here on the stage. So the pastor and Brad, maybe you guys can go back and forth on this. There's a question about uh, what goes into preparing a message for specifically Sunday morning. Give us a little bit. Brad, I know you just worked with the interns on this this last week, uh, teaching them a little bit of your process on how to prepare, how to study, and then how to present a message. And then, Pastor, love to hear from you on this as well. Yeah, I did talk with the interns about it. So um, Monday, I'll just give you real quick my week in, a, in just a minute here. Monday afternoons, I get into the text I'm preaching on, and I just read the text over and over uh, almost to the point of memorization. Uh, I don't take any notes or underline anything. I just get into the text and read it and read it. Um, Tuesday afternoons after our meetings, I'll get in and I'll, I'll print the text off on a piece of paper and then just write all over it and ask questions and underline stuff and repeated words and, and uh, try to get some kind of basic outline from the text. Uh, that's Tuesday, just asking questions and going through it. Wednesday, I'll go to the commentaries and confirm if my conclusions of what people who are much smarter than I am are correct from the text. Uh, and I'll do word searches in the Logos program that we have and things like that. And then Thursday, after I have the skeleton, I'll put meat on it. And uh, really, that, that's when I'll add the illustrations, the conclusion, the introduction to the text that has already been worked. And then Friday and Saturday, I let it marinate. You know, a good steak has to sit in the marinade for a while. <laughs> and so some of the best stuff comes to me after the message is done, and then I'm thinking about it over the weekend. And then uh, Sunday, I kind of have a, a go-to time where I, I listen to two songs uh, on, my, on my playlist. They're both by Rich Mullins. One is the old step-by-step -step song, which people laugh at that, but it's an amazing song. And then the other one is... Uh, Creed, not the band Creed, but the song Creed by <laughs> Rich Mullins. I've created my own prison, yeah, not yeah. that one. <laughs> and then I have a Red Bull and a Cliff Bar, and I come up and preach. So, Thanks, Brad. Hey, is he doing it right, Pastor? Yeah, I, I listen to uh, Open Arms or whatever that Creed song is, too. No. Um, <laughs> That's my Saturday song. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. I, that's good. I mean, it, and it's going to be different. Uh, uh, the preparation Brad laid out is, is really good. You know, you got observation, interpretation, correlation, application. But I don't always go in that way because sometimes I do the same thing. I start reading the text right away, absorb it, memorize it, the whole nine yards. But also, but I will write. I will write things down offside because illustrations don't always come at the end. They'll come at the, at the beginning, I mean, outlines suddenly just explode on you, and, they, and probably the most fun I have is when it all comes together even before I go into the commentaries. And, but that is what you said. That's when you're putting some meat on the bones. You're getting into the historicity of the text, the culture, and all of that stuff. And, and I guess we would both say this, and we love digging into the text, but we also recognize you don't need to know every nuance of, uh, of the language, be it Greek, 
uh, Aramaic or Hebrew, but unless, of course, it's really beneficial for you to know that. Our, we're, we're, we're to rightly divide the word of truth. That is our call to make sure that what we put on the table is accurate. Uh, you can learn from it. You can grow from it. You can be sanctified by, by it and hopefully be challenged by the application of it as well. I love to study. I know you do too. And I also, you know, I've got 30 plus years of study. I mean, so I've got a bit of a, re I've got, Lord, I mean, I should have a deeper reservoir than Brad has. It only makes sense that I would. And so I have the advantage of reaching into those reservoirs and, uh, you know, grateful for that. But, you know, all that's happening. Now, there's a difference between our preaching style on Sunday morning compared to most of what we do on Sunday evening here, right, in, in, this, in this adult venue. Why do we do it differently? Is it a mistake? Do we do it on purpose? What's the, what's the target there for those two different styles maybe? Pastor, you want to speak to that? And then I'd like to ask you guys over here as well, because I know you have thoughts on that too, Chuck. You're, uh, you're, you're going to have thoughts on that in a couple seconds. <laughs> Well, we are, uh, we're known as a gospel-centered expositional church. So Sunday morning, we're walking through passages of Scripture, books in the Bible, whole books in the Bible, you know, going verse by verse by verse. So on Sunday night, you're going to have more of the topical, more of the cultural elements that put the Scripture in. Theological elements is one of the reasons Brad is here. He loves theology and does a great job of teaching. And it is a teaching we do have things like the table up here, which I know Brad uses anyway just be on Sunday mornings because he's so tall. But... Uh, but the truth of the matter is that there is at the table and the chair is symbolic. Let's be laid back. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. I think those are some of the symbols that we're trying to throw out. Is, that, is it important to have both of those, Chuck, you think? I, you know, my, I guess my form of preaching is changing a, a little bit maybe as I get older. If you notice the last several times that I teach up here, I sit down as I do. I did read something that Jesus often taught sitting down so i no i'm just saying no <laughs> no i found well you know when we think of chuck we <laughs> what what i found is at least in my personality um sometimes um i'm not as relaxed as i should be and um lately it seems like i do a better job if i just sit down focus and go through what i have and uh it's just easier for me, and it's probably because it's more of a teaching style, but it seems like I'm leaning heavier in that direction more recently. Yeah, I love that. Thanks. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, someone's written in here, what is the main thing that we need to drop in order to do better what we do best here as a church in 2018? What do we need to get rid of as maybe sideways energy or something that's holding us back so that we can do better what we're trying to do best here at Sailorville Church this next year? Any one of you? We could... Uh, this would be good. This would be good. <laughs> <laughs> we could drop some people in a new location and start another <laughs> church plant. <laughs> that's good. That's there good, you go. Chuck. I don't know that that's the meaning behind the drop there necessarily, but that's good. <laughs> what else? Are you gonna say, go ahead. No, if you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, some of the philosophies that are out there about simplifying, like Simple Church, the book and such, uh, you know, we're, we're reading those things, we're contemplating those things, and we have been doing some of that for the last several years. It's, it's been our passion to be able to trim the fat wherever it's at, so that you can be uh, more efficiently 
and serve the Lord and have margin in your own life, not just to be able to do things and play more, but to be able to reach more people. And uh, so I'm not really, I don't have anything that comes to my mind immediately of something that has to be dropped, or we, but let Abe, he looks like he's ready to address it. Yeah, I, one, of the, one of the things we've been talking about recently is we're just you know, asking the question, why? And we, we really try to ask that on every level, like, why are we doing this? Where, you know, why, why are we going to put energy and money and people and time and planning towards something? It really has to have, you know, is it biblical? Is it Christ-honoring? Is it going to reach more people? Are more people going to be influenced and impacted by it? And that, really, we try to do that with everything. So, yeah, there, you know, there, there have been times where people have come and said, hey, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? And we've just said, it doesn't fit our why. It doesn't, it's just a ton of energy. It's a ton of staffing. It's a ton of your time, excuse me, your time. And we have to ask that a lot of times. And praise God we have the Bible to look to to give us the answers to a lot of those things because there's tons of things that we could be doing. And we really are saying, what is the best thing? And that, I think that helps us a lot of times to put that kind of through that grid. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we could be doing but maybe not a lot that we should be doing. That's good, Abe. And um, we believe that God gives us the people that he wants us to have to be successful at what he wants us to do. And so maybe we don't do something because we don't have the people that are passionate or gifted or even able to do that at that point. doesn't mean we never will, or it doesn't mean that we'll always continue to do the things that we're doing, but maybe not now, right? Brad, what's been the most encouraging thing to you over the years in ministry? Somebody asked, how can we encourage how can lay people encourage our pastoral staff? Uh, definitely when people say they're praying for us and then they actually do it, uh, that's encouraging. Uh, I think when people uh, invest in my children, that's encouraging. Um, when they take time to get on their level and, and encourage them, because... Um, Children in ministry, it's different. It can be hard. It can be uh, difficult. And it's a different um, thing that most kids go through. And I, that means a lot to me when people uh, invest in my kids and, and just uh, love on them. So, Yeah, that's good. We've got kids. We, want, we love when people invest in them. And people are doing that right now. We uh, are very, very thankful for that. That is a huge, huge encouragement. I would just piggyback on that and say, I got a, a, a text the other day that was uh, predicated with something like this. Oh, you've probably heard from, you know, a dozen people on this already, but I wanted to tell you how much I was challenged by, and they went on, and I was blessed by it. And I responded by saying, no, actually, I have it, and thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of presumption out there sometimes. And so, uh, you know, you know, you're not, we're not asking, oh, you know, please encourage us. You know, no, uh, we know that, it, you know, we have no greater joy than when our children walk in truth. That's, the, that's, that's where my greatest joy is, to see God's people becoming more like Jesus. And, uh, uh, but we do encourage the, I mean, when, if, God has, if God has used any of the pastoral staff, my response to that question would be, thank the Lord first for them, and then, you know, maybe give them a word of encouragement. You know, the you know, the, how, a word spoken at just the right time, how good it is. Yeah, amen. You know, with that as well, like when I am working with someone and I realize that other people in the congregation actually have worked with that individual, I work hard at sending a note out to those people. Hey, I want you to know that this happened. So 
it goes both ways. In that sense, we receive a lot of encouragement uh, from you, but we also want to let you know different things that you're doing really are having making an impact in the lives of people. Hey, someone asked, how do you, how do you refresh yourself? How do you get recharged? Uh, they're saying that, that they, they see a lot of hard work in our staff and our directors, even our volunteers. How do you guys get recharged? How do you make sure that you're being refreshed on a regular basis? Uh, physical exercise is very helpful, which sounds kind of weird, but for me, that's like something, I don't know, just, I'm in the office a lot, so just getting out, playing, you know, we play with a lot of the guys from church here doing that. Yep, yep, that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> so I usually play against Chuck and Pastor and beat them and then... Just stay with Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, for me, being, being alone, being outside, I love that. That's, like, refreshing to me. Just, it's weird, but, like, going around my yard and picking up sticks by myself and weeding and... I don't know, that sounds really weird to you, but to me, that's, like, I'm by myself, I'm out there... In God's creation, anytime I can go to the woods or camp or anything like that, bike, anything like that is um, just being alone, talking to the Lord. And I think sometimes just in my car, I, a lot of times we'll just shut everything off, no radio, anything, and just, it's like, I'm by myself, there's no kids, there's nobody asking for me, I'm just by myself with Jesus, like that's the best time for me. <laughs> I can see that. Brad, how do you get refreshed? Uh, yeah, exercise is one for me too. Running. You have uh, been running. Well, I didn't want to bring that up. But, well, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but since you asked, do you? Yeah. Were, did you compete in the monster dash? Yeah. So okay. So Abe and I. Again, I'm talking about running again. I didn't want to do that. But uh, Abe and I both ran in a Saydell 5K. And we were joking at the beginning, it'd be hilarious if we got first and second in this thing. And they ended up splitting up the adults and kids, so Abe and I did get first and second. <laughs> but there was only like 20 of, us, 20 of us that ran, and we had to stand on a podium. <laughs> and the next guy closest to us, the third place guy, was Chuck Sage. So, I mean, it was... I mean... <laughs> Mid-40s? Mid-40s, yeah. So it was... Yeah. The Silver Fox. Now, <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I enjoy, uh, one of the gifts to us is a conference every year uh, from this church, and that's a great refreshment time for us to get away and be poured into and encouraged in our own hearts, so we value those. We're grateful for those. Um, myself, I enjoy reading, and so I like to get away and just read um, and uh, just recharge in that way. Uh, I don't like picking up sticks or yard work, <laughs> so in other ways, but I think just having that different time of recharge is really good. Sure, so. sure. No, that's important. Pastor, really good question here. We're going to wrap this up after this one, but uh, someone is saying, hey, what if I disagree with something that one of the pastors said, one of the preachers said in a message or in an email or in some kind of teaching? What's my, um, what are the process, what's the process that I need to go through to, um, to get that out there, if there is a process, how do we disagree agreeably? Yeah. Uh, leave the church. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. 
Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, no, of course. I mean, it would be you'd be you'd be a bunch of robots if you agreed to everything that was coming out of our mouths up here. No question about it. So when we're you know someone has said you the preacher has a um, has a right to be wrong on his opinions, but not on his facts. Okay, so there you go. I can't be wrong on my facts. If it really depends on what you're disagreeing with, if it's theological, that's a pretty serious deal. So we probably need to have a conversation, you and me. Uh, if it's an opinion thing, okay, you know, be a big boy and get on with it. You know, about vision or direction of the church. So in the if future? you're talking philosophy or vision or direction, you're a, if you're a member of the church, you have a say so. Uh, it's not, you know, uh, you know, a gossipy thing, but you could do the right thing. Uh, send us an email, send us a personal email, and we'll look at it. We'll discuss it amongst ourselves, unless it's just a personal thing, where I, and then we'll get back with you. We'll, we'll respond to you. We do that. I mean, do, some of you do that from time to time, and uh, we, we welcome that. Uh, we actually do. We, we welcome that. It's not like we're dying for criticism here. Uh, but uh, we, we need criticism. I, I, we, we're critical in a godly way with each other. We really are. I've shared this before. If you could see what goes on on Tuesdays, it's a, it's a slugfest sometimes in there. But, you know, we, um, you know, I was going to, yeah, anyway, it's good. So I would say uh, that's okay. If you have a problem with uh, some philosophical thing or, or especially if it's a theological thing, let us know. So yeah. we can talk about it and get back to so you. So we're accessible. Yes. Obviously, yeah. Yes. yeah. I would also add, uh, talk to your cell group leaders about it perhaps first, and, and then maybe come to us if there's still a discussion. We, we think they're shepherds also and, and really on the front lines of that. Okay, one last question for each of us very, very quickly. What is your, um, what is your greatest prayer for Sailorville Church this next year? Abe, then I'm going to ask Chuck and then Brad and Pastor to close out. Greatest prayer for this church. Well, you probably would have guessed mine already, so maybe I, but <clears throat> I really wish God would raise up some great prayer warriors to lead our church to a spiritual revival. Thanks. I think mine is that God would raise up some great leaders from the next generation. That's one thing that if we say we haven't done so well and as we've been driven as a staff to just do everything. And I think with the interns that we have now and things like that is a step in that direction. And so just raising up people within the church to do the work of the ministry would be my prayer. I'm ready. Uh, that, we wouldn't, that we wouldn't get comfortable with where we're at now. The church, the church is growing. We've planted churches. We've, God has provided the money for a new building, the technology. There's money coming in. It's very easy to get. Look at us. Look what we're doing. Look what we've done. And that's scary to me. All the above and that we would live the prayer that Jesus actually taught us to pray. And that we would be kingdom-minded, exalting the Lord, kingdom-minded, personally confronting ourselves before God, confessing sin, seeking uh, protection from the evil one 
and being truly kingdom-minded as we and become, don't just say that we're a gospel-centered church, be gospel-centered. What Chuck said earlier on, I long for that. More and more and more people talking about Jesus and their interactions with people uh, for, for the gospel's sake. I just think that just stokes everything about the church. So that would be my prayer for 2018. Amen. Thanks, guys. What about you, bro? I want to see more people be more like Jesus. Amen. got to be it, right? I have loved being a part of this team and the other guys that are part of this team and the men and women that are part of our staff overall and, and this church, Sailorville Church. God has done some really, really amazing things, and our prayer is that he would continue to do that as long as he wants to uh, here at Sailorville and uh, in Thailand and all around the world for his kingdom and his glory. Thanks, guys, for sharing your hearts. Thanks for opening up a little bit. Thanks for teaching us and, and helping us grow in that way. Let's pray and then um, let you go get your kids and shine if you have any. And then we've got a short business meeting here for members in a few minutes. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to um, worship you through this, to learn about you, to learn about uh, our church, to see behind the scenes a little bit in the, in the lives of um, men that you've called to serve at this church and to serve the church in your kingdom as pastors. Thank you for them. Thank you for this church. And thank you for all of those here that are giving up their Isaacs every single day. And maybe for some that are going into a time right now where they are going to be asked to give up an Isaac in their life. I pray that we would be a church that puts the needs of others before our own. And the greatest need that anyone could have is the gospel. God, I pray that we would give the gospel as a lifestyle, with our words, with our actions, and as a church body. Thank you so much for tonight. In your name, amen. Thanks, folks. Um, grab your kids if you've got them in shine, and then come back here at 618-ish right now, 630, Pastor, 630 for the business meeting. Okay. <laughs>